From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. Miami police conduct a Guns for Ukraine gun buyback that was not only a failure, but also illegal. California releases personal data on gun owners. Was it accidental or something more sinister? The FBI and ATF run an absurd sting and ruin a man's life. And UPS is seizing and destroying legal merchandise after being intimidated by a letter from five Democrat senators. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Lee Williams, Chief Editor of the Second Amendment Foundation's Investigative Journalism Project. Hi, Lee. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dean. Great to be back. Appreciate it. Well, I guess you're having some hot weather down there in Florida. It's it's one of those days where you walk across a parking lot and you expect to see tracks in the tar. It's like 98 degrees with 98% humidity. Right, with the humidity. I used to live in Las Vegas, and so, you know, the joke about the dry heat out there would be 110. But honestly, I would walk across a parking lot and my feet would stick. Yeah. Would stick to, the, to that, uh, you know, the tar. And you, you drive through a parking lot, and even if you're going like five miles an hour, your tires are squealing. <laughs> it's 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 insane because there's hardly any you know it'll rain for like ten seconds and that and that's yeah. it you know for a month but um, I was telling you right before the podcast this was the year that I finally decided to splurge a little bit and hire somebody to mow the lawn and fertilize and whatever and of course you know in Ohio we have all this bluegrass bluegrass Beautiful. does not like heat yeah you know you've got different kind of grass down there in Florida but you know this bluegrass just turns brown. If, you know, it gets in the 80s, and so we've had 80s and 90s, and it's turning brown. It's like, well, what am I paying for? <laughs> well, the, the grass down here, I mean, it gets watered every day. We're, we're in the rainy season, so at least one or two thunderstorms per day. Well, you're per sweating day. so much because of the humidity. I guess you just walk around your lawn a little bit and drip on it. It should, should be all right. I, I know a lot of people in Vegas, including my sister, and I imagine people in Florida do the same thing. They, they don't have the grass. They just throw gravel down. Yeah. And yeah. so you don't have to mow anything at all, which honestly, there are times when I would kind of like to do that. My neighbors would hate me, but. Pave it over, know. paint it green. Yeah, it's just, it's. I mean, I used to live in the country. So, you know, there's a country lawn and then there's a suburban lawn. So I've got a suburban lawn and you kind of have to take care of it, you know, but you live in the country and it's great because if you have clover, if you have all this other you know stuff, weeds, whatever growing in the lawn, that's fine. It's a country lawn. And yeah. it's and it's generally healthier if you know anything about lawns. You know, you take all oh, that yeah. stuff out in the suburbs, and that's one of the reasons the lawns are so tough to take care of because that's unnatural. Just once again, I'm I'm bitching about the heat and the weather and whatever. So uh, I guess I'm just a wuss when it when it comes to that kind of stuff because I I like cold weather, not hot weather. Boy, uh, uh, you've been doing a lot of good reporting, and I want to look at some of these stories that you've been covering. And the first one is just this. Uh, you know, if, that, if ever were there, there were an example of government incompetence, this is one of them. We're going to talk about another in a minute. But there was this gun buyback 
down there in Florida, in Miami, and I guess they were touting it as a guns for Ukraine gun buyback. Wow, what a great idea, Lee. I mean, we'll, we'll buy your guns for cash. We'll ship them to the Ukraine military. We're, we're going to help beat back the Russian horde. I mean, what great marketing that is. But how did that actually turn out? Well, we both know that these police buybacks are a waste of time. They're done for PR. That's the only reason they do them. They're stupid. They get, I, I always call them cash for clunkers because a guy will come in with a, a broken down BB gun and they'll give him a 50 or $100 gift card. So this was no exception. Although this is the first time I've ever seen uh, a police buyback marketed as something that'll help the Ukrainian war effort. Like the Ukrainian army is is going to, you know, equip their their troops over there with Lorkins and Ravens and Jennings and and twenty five or three eighty or nine millimeter. So we knew it wouldn't happen. Also, we pointed out before the event that it's also illegal. You can't ship firearms to a foreign country uh, because of ITAR, International Treaty on, Arm, on Arms and Ammunition. And we even have a state law down here that is very, very specific about how a police department must handle firearms in their possession. They can they can loan them to another agency. They can, they can store them. They can use them themselves. Or they can sell them, but then the money has to go into the state education fund. Nowhere in there does it say that the police department can send them can export them to a foreign military. So one of our members, uh, Florida Carey, uh, Kevin uh, Sona, went down to the event. I had an obligation. And it was funny. Um, he, he estimates about 15 firearms were turned in. And they're the usual junkers, you know, single shot 12s. One guy tried, made a couple shotguns out of a couple pieces of pipe, uh, air rifles, terrible little pistols, little 25s and 380s. But then the the they kept pushing him back. It became obvious that they weren't getting the response that uh, they they wanted through this. So he and the other attendees were pushed back away from the tents where the transactions were taking place a total of about eight times. It started out, you could see right in the tent. And when they were done pushing him back, he was about 100, 150 yards away from the event. And they said that they did this to him for his safety. Uh, which is a total joke. They didn't want anybody to witness the fact that nobody was there. They had zero response. So Kevin's pretty firm on the fact that there were about 15 weapons total turned in. Then, of course, the department issues a, a kicks out a Facebook video, and now there's 70 weapons turned in. And uh, they had ARs and AKs. They had M1 carbines, and they even had a pretty decent Uzi. So it's pretty obvious that the cops dipped into their personal collections, the arms room and the property room, and trotted out some guns to save the chief and the mayor a hell of a lot of embarrassment. Uh, so it was a total uh, total bust, like most of these things are. Uh, we're following up with some public records requests to see what exactly and how badly they're going to lie about what was and what wasn't turned in. But like somebody with an AR or an AK or an M1 carbine or an Uzi is going to go trade that in for a 50 or or $100 gift card? I mean, give me a break. People aren't stupid. Yeah. Lee, we've seen these before. It happens here in Ohio. Yeah. And uh, I won't say that that none of them get any guns. But, you know, usually it, it looks like you know, they'll get a table full of guns and they all came from Jed Clampett's barn. You know, they're, they're these old, you know, rusty single shot rifles. Yeah. Or like these uh, single shot shotguns, 
What, yeah. that I, I have one of those that I inherited from my grandfather. I call it the Clampett shotgun. You yeah. know, broken revolvers and odd caliber handguns yeah. that where you look at it and like, what is that? Is that even a gun? You know, and uh, th- these things almost never work. And I'm right. just curious, why do people keep doing them? Because the idea will come up and they'll talk about it very enthusiastically like, yeah, that's a great idea. But they must know that they don't actually work, right? All they want is the press releases to go out. It's a chance for the department and the city officials to be able to say they're doing something to get guns off the street. Well, they're getting guns off the street that people kind of forgot they had, you know, stuff buried in the bottom of their other closet somewhere or something or broken air rifles. Um, yeah, it was, is a complete joke. Uh, I, I, there's nothing to ship to Ukraine, even if they could do it legally. So we, we outed them pretty hard for that. Although I will give them an A for coming up with a different idea, a different way to spin this thing. Yeah. I mean, that was, uh, I mean, yeah, my background is marketing. That's brilliant. You know, uh, uh, guns for Ukraine. Wow. Uh, yeah, that's that was a pretty good idea. I, you know, I'm wondering if a lot of these come from, you know, estates where it's like somebody's died, and sure. the, you know, the the grandmother is like, "Well, what do I do with this stuff?" When my grandfather died, we cleaned out the house, and I knew that he had like a nice Remington shotgun, and there was a rifle and a, and a 22 and a and a BB gun and, and things like that. But you know, hidden around the house, there were other things. Uh, I found a revolver. I think it was an old Smith and Wesson revolver. And, you know, this is, you know, like he was a country guy. So the, the barrel was too long and you could tell to fit, to fit it in the holster that he had, he had just taken a hacksaw and just sawed the front of it off. And it was obviously not even, you know, uh, straight and, and true. Cause you know, that right. it's not going to shoot straight. The front of it has to be absolutely straight. Otherwise the bullet will, kind of veer in, in one direction. And I thought, oh, my God, you know, nobody should shoot this. You know, who knows where the bullet is going to go? And, you know, the, the um, ammo in it had turned green. It, it had been because you put it in leather, and then yeah. that's what happens after a while. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that shows up that's been buried someplace for yeah. decades. As if some young Ukrainian infantryman is going to be going up against Russian Spetsnaz armed with the latest AK-12, you know, with a with a Jimenez 25 caliber pistol. It's just not going to happen, man. Yeah. There was nothing there they could ship overseas. And AKs, okay, the Ukrainians, they, they want missile systems. They want MLRS. They want long-range artillery. They want anti-tank and anti-ship systems. AKs, they got. Okay, they got real ones, fully automatic ones. Yeah, the whole thing was a joke. So incompetence. Um, here's an even bigger example, and you reported on this out in California. Oh, we've, yeah. we've seen this in the news, um, and this is just infuriating, not surprising, but infuriating, where they leaked private data on citizens with concealed carry permits. Now, according to the media reports— this was the Department of Justice. They were updating what they call their firearms dashboard portal. Sure, sure. And the idea was, you know, you can go online and you can see anonymous county-level detail on how many people have concealed carry permits or firearm safety certificates. We have a report that comes out here in Ohio, 
and it says, you know, here's how many county by county licenses there are, here are the totals, things like that. But it's it's aggregate data. It's not personal data. So what happened on this website was that there was actual private data, and we're talking about names, dates of birth, gender, race, driver's license, addresses, criminal histories, and some of the reports said there was additional information that may have been impacted. I'm, do, I'm doing I'm doing air quotes here. Impacted uh, assault weapon registry, handgun certified for sale, dealer records of sale, restraining orders. I mean, we're talking about data that could put thousands of people at risk, and not just ordinary citizens, but judges, prosecutors, law enforcement. Yep. Now, so Lee, I'm going to just ask you, what does your gut tell you about this? Was this an accident, or was this something a little more sinister out there? I think this is much more sinister. There's no way this is accidental. Um, this was Bonta, who's the AG out there, his way of showing, you know, his way of showing gun owners out there, you want to screw around and 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 make us make changes because of Bruin, you're going to pay. He, what he did is the AG out there created a handy reference guide for burglars and home invaders and other criminals. It's something they can access on, or could access on their phone, a searchable database of firearms owners and homes where guns are kept. And we both know, you know, guns are the, the third most sought after item by burglars after prescription meds and cash. And this guy made it easier for them. Now, I do find it interesting that effective 2003, California has a data uh, database security breach notification act, which is, which is state law that if you have a database of personal information and it's breached, you have to let everybody know. I'm wondering how, how far they're going to go with this. I'm guessing they're not going to notify these people because they're gun owners and, and that state government out there really doesn't care. Well, some of the reporting uh, indicated or suggested that maybe they would, and they were going to provide, you know, when you have data right. breaches, very often they'll provide you with security subscriptions for a year to, to see if your uh, identity is stolen and things like that. So, so that's, but, you know, a lot of this is based on press releases coming from government and the, uh, the media is just reporting that. So is it true or not? I mean, I, I, I hope you follow this we will. To, to see if uh, that actually happens. I don't know if that's going to appear in the news or not. You know, usually stories like this just pop up and then nobody follows up right. to see that's what crazy. actually what actually happens. Here in Ohio, back when we first got our concealed handgun licenses, Lee, this was back 2004, that there were newspapers who, you know, fought against this and they were actually publishing because they had access at the time. They were publishing the names of people, uh, thousands and thousands of people in their area who had concealed handgun licenses. And, you know, we actually had to take action we had to pass a bill to close yeah. what we call the media access loophole. And it was just, you know, you'd open up your newspaper and there it was. You know, you could see who had uh, these licenses and therefore who has guns. It was like a shopping list for criminals. And you're, you're right. You're, you're an ex-cop, right? Yes. So, I mean, people break into your house and, and what do they do? Generally, they head right for the bedroom because that's where the good stuff is. They're looking for jewelry. They're looking for jewelry. Cash, electronics, and guns. Those are like the four big things. So you give people a list of license holders, yeah. and that's a shopping list. That's like Yelp for, for burglars. 
<laughs> it is. Nowadays, you got to add medicine cabinet into that list too. They, they're always checking for the prescription meds. But I'm wondering how many people end up get victimized. And we will follow this up. California State Rifle and Pistol Association is very good about, like Buckeye, keeping track of their members and their members' welfare. So we will follow this one up. There's no doubt about that. Well, I mean, are they going to, I assume they're going to continue with that database, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's like you said earlier, man. I mean, you cannot trust government, period, with, with this kind of information. Because, of course, if it, if it wouldn't have gotten put out willingly by the attorney general, and I know it was willingly, you know, some 14-year-old kid could have probably hacked it and put, posted it on the dark web somewhere. They cannot be trusted with this type of info. We're so opposed to lists. I will say in Florida, we do have good laws on the books that prevent media or anybody else from getting access to who has a gun and who has a CWFL. So it, it took us a while to figure that out, too. And you had suggested in your article on this that, you know, this happened pretty much right after the Supreme Court ruling in yeah. Bruin. And California it really is, you know, they're going in the opposite direction of Ohio and, and other states. They're just disgusted with that, and they're cracking down. You're thinking this may have been retribution? I do. I, I, I strongly suspect it was retribution by Bonta. I mean, he just got his butt kicked out there by us and FPC on the whole, uh, uh, quote-unquote, assault weapon ban. So we'll see. He's he's looking for a little payback. They know that they're going to have to make some changes but like uh, because of Bruin, but like New York is the same way, that Hochul. Or Hochul, or however the hell you say that. Yeah, it's it's Hochul. I had to look it up because, but it, it's it's Hochul. Yeah, rhymes with yokel. Yeah, <laughs> woman who's never been elected, by the way, never been elected governor. She'll face her first election uh, coming up. Uh, they're going to have to be brought to heel, and it's unfortunately it's going to be a lot of money from groups like yours and ours, and to, to force these people to comply with a Supreme Court decision. More lawsuits. You know, that, that's one thing that a lot of people don't understand. It's you can't just pass a law and then there, there we go. We're done. No, because a lot of the big cities and some of the states, they just won't follow the law. You have to sue them into compliance right. or elect right. people who will make sure that the, the rules are enforced as they're intended to be enforced. It, it, it's not enough just to pass a law or to have a Supreme Court ruling. New York is just openly defying it. They're 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 saying, yeah, we'll be a, a, a shall issue state, but here here are all the the hoops you're going to have to jump through to get a license. I mean, they're they're looking at social media accounts. You have and to have, even if you get one out there, they're they're trying to limit the places where you can carry it lawfully right now. Which, uh, if they keep going, it's going to be your front yard, maybe. Well, I mean, the whole call actually came out and said, because a reporter, at, and we covered this, I think, uh, on one of our recent podcasts, where a reporter asked, well, okay, where can you carry? Because they have all these so-called sensitive places, or in other words, yeah. victim zones. And her response was kind of snotty, as well, well, I think there might be some streets. Yeah. You know, because it's like all businesses are by default off-limits, off you know, just there's a giant list. They they just don't want you to have a gun anywhere where there are people. Correct. So, but it's like okay, well, if there were no people, you wouldn't need guns anyway, except maybe for hunting. So, like in the apocalypse, you'll need a hunting rifle, but you don't need to protect yourself because there are no people there to harm you. So, it's what are they thinking? Yeah, and the other thing that people don't understand is that these the expense of these lawsuits. There's three bad laws in Delaware right now that they're fighting. Well, there's a, a few more, but three main ones. They're, the Delaware State Sportsman's Association, I have some good friends in it. They're looking at about a million bucks a lawsuit 
That's what they're estimating. Yeah. These things are not cheap. And for the pro- the politicians that use these to grandstand and, and, and uh, get reelected, they're playing with house money. They are playing with house money. It's not going to come out of their pocket once they lose and once uh, the state has assessed attorney's fees. It should be. They should be held criminally accountable for violating the law. Well, now, on, on preemption here in Ohio, we do have attorney's fees. So, you know, yeah. expenses and, and attorney's fees. But, you know, even now, like the like small lawsuits, because we've sued, for example, Cincinnati over things like, uh, you know, uh, trigger enhancers, bump stocks, things like that. Those are quarter million dollar lawsuits. And most of it's yeah. just filing paperwork, showing up in front of a judge, doing some depositions. It's mostly procedural stuff. It's not like Perry Mason. Right. You know, the, the, these are small, fairly easy lawsuits, quarter million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, it's sad, and it's always our money. Yeah, and and then you know you might get it back, you might not, because you never know how the ruling's going to go, depending on the district that it's in and the judge you get, which sometimes is a crapshoot. I, I wish people would understand that that um, yeah. you know passing a law is one thing, but then getting people to follow the law is something else. And uh, you know, I, I know that there are some organizations out there that are really good with lawsuits. We've been very successful, but man, they're expensive. Yeah, yeah. That's why these groups, uh, a Second Amendment Foundation is a good example. I think they have active litigation now in about 40 states. Yeah, yeah. They know they're, they're fantastic with that and, and a lot of big cases as well. Yeah. So, Lee, I want to turn to another story that uh, you covered. And I'll be honest with you, I'm not sure I understand it. This is a kind of a creepy story. This is about the ATF and the FBI going after a guy. And I think the uh, terrorism task force yeah, was involved yeah. in this. And there was just a, like a sting operation. But I'm not understanding, you know, who was this guy that they went after? Why did they target him? And what was this all about? Can you just explain what the ATF sure. and the FBI were up to? Well, the real victim here is a gentleman named Eunice Magia. I call him Eunice He's 28 years old. He lives out by St. Cloud, Florida, which is in the middle of the state, uh, about as far from the oceans as you can get. Uh, had a nice five-acre piece of property, never been arrested in his life, had no history of any kind of crime. Had a personal range set up on his property where he liked to shoot steel plates, loved it. Uh, it was a gun collector, had a few firearms. Um before he came to Florida, Eunice worked as a police dispatcher. He's a 911 dispatcher in, in Texas. For some strange reason, an FBI agent assigned to the Joint Terrorism Task Force, Joint Terrorism Task Force, her, her role is to you know combat domestic and foreign terrorism. She somehow latches on to Eunice. We still don't know why he was targeted. She sends over a snitch, a CI, an informant, whatever you want to call the dude, who was, he wasn't paid. He was working off charges from ICE. He had it was a foreign student. He had stayed here too long. Got arrested for violating the uh, terms of his visa. Agreed to work off charges with the FBI. They sent him over there. They, they were texting back and forth him and Eunice for about three or four months. Finally, Eunice invited him over to shoot. And the guy and Eunice has a, a CZ Scorpion, you know, nine millimeter pistol modeled after a, a very successful submachine gun type thing. The magazine is in front of the pistol grip. And Eunice had a can on it, a 9 millimeter can, which was fully registered through NFA. 
and he had a stock on it, unfortunately. He had purchased an aftermarket stock. He hadn't submitted that through NFA as a, as a short-barreled rifle. He just did it. The kid um, wanted to take some pictures of him shooting it. Eunice said no. Um, however, he took some pictures surreptitiously with the cell phone that ATF and, and FBI had given him. Went back. Uh, they met a couple more times. Eunice uh, asked how he could get this, how he could get the stock put on it, and and or uh, the informant did. And Eunice told him very very plainly, you know, you put that stock on, you've created an SBR. You got to go through NFA. You got to register a thing with ATF, the whole nine yards. Um, of course, the FBI agent goes to the judge. Eunice gets arrested. He's held for three months before he's released on pretrial, uh, basically a pretrial probation. Ends up having to plead guilty. He's sentenced to 21 months in federal prison. I am not kidding. No terrorism ties, no nothing. And nobody wants to talk about it. FBI wouldn't talk. ATF wouldn't talk. The AUSA that the prosecuted the case wouldn't talk. I got some flunky at the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office to answer a few questions, but that was about it. This thing was prosecuted by through public safe neighborhood money, which is designed to target gangsters in the inner city. Who knows why they touched this kid? Um, but yeah, this is this is one of the worst prosecutions I've seen. And I've been writing about guns for more than 10 years, investigative reporter for 20, and a cop for 10 years before that. This was solely a stat for that FBI agent. So they could pump up their their Project Safe Neighborhood numbers and let their bosses in D.C. know that, hey, man, Florida PSN is really kicking it and then they're really getting these horrible, dangerous people off the street. And again, no, Eunice had no arrest history whatsoever. Of course, he does now. He wasn't a prohibited person either. He had two, two silencers or suppressors uh, registered with NFA. Of course, he's going to lose all that. He was a civilian pilot. He dreamed of flying for a, a uh, airline of some kind, you know, that's gone. Ruined this kid's life all because he took the, the scorpion and the stock and he put them together. Okay. Take them apart. No problem. Put them together. Felony. Take them apart. No problem. Put, put them together. Felony. It just, to me, the, the thing highlighted the lunacy of the entire NFA process. So th this was a felony charge then? Oh yeah. Yeah. He's And so he's, he's, lo he's lost his gun rights forever. Everything, all gone. Now, long-term thinking here, at some point, you know, hopefully 2024, we get a Republican president in. This would be a great case to pardon this kid um, and just get this crap off his record. By, 20, by the time 2024 rolls around, Eunice should be getting out of, out of federal prison. It would be nice to get him pardoned so he can pursue his career in, in flight and have his Second Amendment rights restored. So what, what are his plans? I mean, he's is he in prison now? Or is... Yeah, he's sitting in the, in federal prison in northern Florida. Wow. It's, it and, and yeah, I mean, does the punishment fit the crime? Absolutely not. But having been in local law enforcement, I think the case also demonstrates the difference between local law enforcement and federal government. Any sheriff's deputy or police officer that would have seen that would have just told him, hey, don't put those two things together, bro. Okay, you're committing a felony. Feds will jump all over you. But there is no such thing as discretion in the federal system. And this this agent, okay, the, this Erica agent, this FBI agent, she should be ashamed of herself. Okay, and and the the fact that this went all the way up and down the chain without anybody in the FBI or ATF or U.S. Attorney's Office saying, "Hey, is this really justice?" You know, hammering this kid like this—is this really justice? Because it's not. How how old was that agent? 
I don't know. Uh, she she wouldn't uh, return calls or emails. I'm just, I mean, because this whole thing smells so bad. I'm wondering if this was some sort of, uh, you know, young agent who just wanted to get something on her record, you know, yeah. pump up her resume. And then you have this informant who obviously has ulterior motives, just wants to, uh, you know, get, get off of his charges. And he doesn't care who he has to take down in order to do that. I mean, the whole thing stinks. Yeah. And you've got FBI, ATF, U.S. Attorney's Office, search warrants of his property, confiscation of all his guns, confiscation of all his computers, his phone, all that electronics. For Again, I'm going to demonstrate this to this, this to this. There's no crime here, man. Government, man. I know. Uh, I know. This is, uh, I, I don't even, I don't even know how to, how to comment on that. That's, that's just unbelievable. Uh, just total madness. Well, and, and speaking of madness, UPS, yeah. let's talk about the UPS because they've been in the news. So as I understand it, the, the, we had five Democratic senators yeah. who took, uh, uh, took it upon themselves to send letters to the UPS and 27 other car uh, carriers, people who you right. know, deliver packages, blaming them for rising violent crime. I mean, they, they, they want to blame everyone except criminals. And the whole idea was, as far as I can see, was intimidation. I'm going to read one of the quotes they had here in this letter. They said, we're concerned about lax shipping security measures are contributing to the epidemic of gun violence in this country by allowing criminals to use stolen firearms to commit crimes. So now the senators weren't saying, you guys are committing crimes, you're doing something wrong. But what they did was they asked a lot of really intimidating questions, right? And they sent the letters, and I guess this was on May 19th, they sent it to the UPS, FedEx, U.S. Postal Service, trucking and rail carriers, not just United States, but to Canada as well. And I guess the UPS, and this has been the headline on all the stories that I've seen, they're destroying packages. So so if you're, you know, on their target list, they'll seize the package and, and just destroy it. What's really going on here? They said in their letter to this carrier down here, to this gun shop down here, Please note that any package found in the UPS system determined to have been uh, tendered by this gun shop may be seized and destroyed. Well, we when we broke this story, we kind of told it in reverse. We told the story about uh, what they're doing, and then we got the letter from the five senators. And I'm sure your members can guess at least three of the five senators. Uh, I'll give I'll give them a hint when if they want to look it up. One of them is, of course, Diane Feinstein, who is less cognitively able than Joe Biden right now, from what I'm told. Um, so yeah, uh, UPS, the pendulum swung completely the other way. They started canceling accounts. This this gun shop owner down here in Florida called his UPS agent, his, his, his local guy, and he didn't even know about it. It had been done so quickly and so overnight. But the problem is he had just shipped $30,000 worth of products via UPS. So he has not gotten any of that back yet. So they owe him 30K. We don't know if it made it to the uh, end users, wherever it was going or not. But the, I mean, he he made he had OAM stuff. He made uppers, lowers, had a whole list of, of stuff that the guy made. We don't know how much of it has made it to his clients yet. But yeah, just it shows you there again. Uh, go woke and go broke. There are other shippers out there. Uh, that's who the people should be using. Um, UPS just showed everybody. It reminds me a lot of the whole Dick situation. 
You know, we're, we're going to overreact completely and get now, rid of Now, let's stuff. just clarify when, when you use a word like that, uh, we're talking about Dick's Sporting Goods, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Yeah, well, we I mean, are, they, they, are, they, they lived up to their name, that's for sure. Yeah. And uh, boy, I don't shop there anymore because I was absolutely disgusted with them. We're talking about when they decided to remove ARs and, and other similar uh, stuff from, from there. So, uh, you know, for just for political purposes. Yeah, that's exactly what UPS is doing. They don't realize that, you know, there will be a comeuppance. Okay, these Dems are going to get thrown out, hopefully most of them in November. And the pendulum can just as easily swing the other way. And UPS will be out in the cold as they should be because of the this thing is completely uncalled for. Um, I will disagree with you on one point. I think that, that comment that they made, that the senators made in that letter to all those carriers, I think you can interpret that as blame. That's damn near blame. We blame you for rising gun violence. No, no, well, that's I, I thought that's what I said. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, uh, but I mean, they were. So now I want to get the details straight here. Were this? Uh, I guess it was Ghost Firearms. Is that the one right. that was down there uh, in Florida? And were they committing a crime? Were they violating no. the law? Not at all. You know, if you make parts for firearms for homemade firearms, as I like to call them, rather than ghost guns. They're very careful. Most of the guys nowadays know the states where they're prohibited. They're not going to ship to California. They're not going to ship to New York. They're not going to ship to anywhere where the parts are prohibited. Besides that, they just had an audit from ATF. ATF was in there two weeks before UPS canceled their account and said, nope, you're doing everything fine. You're not shipping to any states where they're prohibited. So they just got a clean bill of health from ATF. And then boom, they lost everything. And the senators, when they sent this letter, they were they talking about like a law that had been changed? So, I mean, what? No. I mean, in other words, what kind of authority did they have when they sent out this letter? Any at all? No, they were talking about the rule that ATF that I think comes online here in a month or so. They mentioned that, but no, they they were not breaking any or, or quoting or citing any specific law. But it, there's a whole nasty list of questions that they had in their letter, in their two-page letter, that uh, pretty much put all these carriers on the defensive. And I think that's why UPS got so incredibly scared and completely overreacted, harming sm a lot of small businessmen. So this was just intimidation. I mean, so in other words, they were they took it upon themselves, these five senators, they took it upon themselves to try to enforce a law where they right. have no authority when right. the law hadn't even, or regulations hadn't even gone into effect yet. Right. And it impacted businesses. And it's even uh, larger businesses that I guess have stopped using UPS. Uh, we don't even know if other packages are being destroyed. And it's not like they gave any notice, right? They just right. seize these packages, destroy them. And uh, or is anyone going to be paid back? Or th no, these are, this no. is just a loss. Yeah, you're, it's, he shipped $30,000 worth of property. He might as well have just stacked it out in a dumpster behind his, his uh, business and lit it on fire. That's how much good it did. And he's going to have to make good. I mean, if you're going to stay in business, you're going to have to make good with your customers, I guess. Right. You got to you got to pay them back. You got to you got to refund their money if they don't get the product. Uh, you have and we don't yet understand, I think, the full impact of UPS's decision because it's so new, and we broke the story. I'm very happy to say, but uh, this is going to end up e costing FFLs a lot of FFLs a lot of money. But but that's on purpose because when you're intimidating, the, the point of intimidation is to reduce an activity, mm -hmm. right? And um, I mean, this was 
this reminds me of like, you know, mafia stuff that yes. I've, I've seen in movies. Like, you know, a nice place you have here. It'd be too bad if something happened to it. That's basically yes. what this letter was. It was, yes. you know, went, went to all of these shippers and they weren't saying say anything illegal. They were just they were just intimidating them to stop wor- working with, with uh, some businesses that were shipping perfectly legal products. This is this is sort of like Operation Choke Point, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in a in a sense. And you look at the senators who are involved. I mean, they're all media whores. They're all known throughout the country. They all they all use that bully pulpit very well so um, and that's further intimidation for these shippers but yeah you could easily compare it to a, a lot of intimidating mafia type actions this is just complete complete madness absolute madness well lee thanks for helping us understand some of these stories Anytime. even though i think we're still kind of bewildered here but we're trying to understand them as much as possible. It's always a pleasure to have you on the podcast tell our listeners where they can read your original reporting you can go to two sources, uh, three actually. You can go to saf.org. You can go to my personal website, which is armedamericannews.org. Or you can go to my Substack account, which is thegunwriter.substack.com, Dean. Well, keep up the good work, Lee. I enjoy you getting your newsletters. I enjoy reading your reporting, even though it does kind of get my blood pressure up a little bit. I think I'm going to have to double up on my medication. <laughs> and uh, uh, Lee will have you back on the podcast real soon. Thank you, sir. You have a good one. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's joinbfa.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.